Hello, and thank you for receiving our transmission from the Nexus of Realities. I'm Soltis, and joining me are my friends and fellow trans-dimensional beings, Lumberdor. I know this movie sure deserved all those awards it got. No lies here. His nose didn't grow. That was a Pinocchio pun. If you didn't get it, it'll grow on you. And Doug. I've never enjoyed a Pinocchio movie until I saw this one. When it went, when I watched it, it just it flew by. It's like no time existed at all. You might say it was the fascist Pinocchio movie I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> nice. I'll be here all week. <laughs> well, congratulations to Guillermo del Toro and his brilliant team who overcame the obstacles of production hell to make a truly beautiful film. You far outclassed Disney and their remake of Pinocchio, which will always be amusing to me personally. <laughs> If you enjoy our discussion series and would like to contribute or get in contact with us, consider visiting either our Patreon page or our website at ourbinetcake.com, liking, subscribing, and sharing the transmission with your friends. Be sure to join us next week for our discussion of the terrible Dungeons & Dragons movie from the year 2000. Oh man, that is a rough watch. I think this is the first Pinocchio movie that I've enjoyed. <laughs> I do. I was never a big fan of the cartoon. I, I don't know. The I old, always the old classic. I, always I mean. love the old classic one, but I feel like I'm one of the few when I talk to people that does enjoy it. So I, I almost feel like I probably I appreciate it more because I like every no, movie. No. So. It's very very popular. As I'm surprised that the nothing people that I you remember know don't care nothing for about it. it. Yeah, <laughs> I remember nothing about it since the last time I saw it. Maybe I'd appreciate it more if I rewatched it. Maybe, but this. This I enjoyed a lot. What stood out to you, apart from the three other Pinocchio films that came out that year? So what other Pinocchio films came out? There was this one. There was the quote-unquote live-action remake from Disney. That oh, I didn't watch that, that one. Sucked. That was so bad. And then there was an equally terrible one with Polly Shore. Oh, yeah, the Polly Shore one. <laughs> Wait a minute, what? Polly Shore? Wait a minute. Yeah, he still thinks he's an actor. Wait, wait a minute. Interesting. Okay, I sorry. think it's one, of those, one of those things people enjoy because it's terrible, so it makes them yeah. feel like they're in on something. I don't know. That's why I like every Polly Shore movie. Well, yeah, I mean, that's sort of... <laughs> that's the draw. Aside, aside from a goofy movie, that's just this treasure right there. Well, the cheese whiz, yeah. So this movie, I mean, it's just freaking beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like the, I mean, just the way it looks. Did you guys watch the behind the scenes featurette thing on Netflix also? Oh yeah, there's like still thirty minutes. Oh, every behind the scenes Everything thing I, I could find, find on this, and, and to see the way they like combine, we're combining like green screens with mm-hmm. the puppets, and then also like how some of the puppets had like animatronic yeah. parts to them, like when they were just there's this thing where they were just moving around Geppetto's face. Oh yeah, and it just looked amazing. It's like it combines that I love stop motion with like how I love really old like animatronic practical effects yep. driven mm-hmm. movies. Like that's my favorite kind of like horror movies. And it's like it's all combined together. It's just so perfectly done. It's like flawless. Well, it, it took like the stuff um, Lakia had done. And of course, it's Del Toro doing it 
And that's what he originally wanted to do was animation. So he's got that love for animation and then all his practical effects that he's done in all of his movies that add right. to it. So he already knows how to do that. And he's just blending all those things now into this story that he's adapted. Mm. And um, I mean, he's already such a great storyteller and a great director as far as just setting up any environment to whatever that story is, you know, whether it's gloomy or happy or sad or whatever. He's just so great at creating that scene that him taking the time to do this in stop motion just instantly gives it something that so many other animated things probably are missing. You know, another thing with it that struck me a lot was how much the freaking camera moved. Yes. (laughs) That camera (laughs) was moving and tracking stuff just all over the place. And it's not like I watched a bunch of other stop motion this week to compare it, but I can't think of that many like stop motion movies where the camera's like that. I mean, it felt like the camera in a live action movie being mm-hmm. applied to stop motion the closest it, i, I would know, say was is something was like kubo and and two strings that one to me with the action Did it have a lot of that i need to watch that i still haven't seen that you haven't seen that one that's a good one to nah, watch because that to. one that one kind of blew my mind with the stop motion that was done in that and it's a good blend too of the digital and the practical like the design of like the church for example like some oh, of yeah. the these backgrounds and sets they, like they look so lived in I mean, there's just artistry and craftsmanship just to every detail. You know, I I guess that's the thing. I think when I look at this movie, I'm like, this is made by artist. It's made by artist. It's not some cheap mass produced thing. This is not a corporate film. Not at all. If you look at um, like even the, the Disney one, the old Disney one and the newer one, they're a perfect character. You know, they're symmetrical. They're everything's just Mm. right. It's modeled right. And the character was designed, of course, but it's designed with those flaws. It enhances those flaws. It's got nails sticking out of it. It's Geppetto was hammered because as he, he was drunk when he was carving him up. He only has one ear. Going through his sorrows. It's one of those things that seems like an obvious direction to go, but only seems like it once someone has done it. Him making Pinocchio look out of grief and anger. Oh, yeah. Over the loss of his son. And of course, even that was caused by war you know a movie that's looking at war as well i thought that was really interesting it just gave it a different kind of emotional stakes i felt like it was just kind of there pervasive throughout the movie that there's kind of this extra connection between geppetto and pinocchio or there's like something deeper going on that you're like feeling the whole time it really added an interesting undertone i think he's constantly comparing him to his lost son that he's obviously trying to replace but having to learn how to deal with who Pinocchio actually is, which is a big thing for Geppetto to overcome. It is encouraging to see that. very personal to him, the relationship between Geppetto and Pinocchio. He puts a lot of father-son issues into his films. Yeah, he totally does. You're right about that. That whole scene, too, very much like a horror film, the way it was shot. Oh, yeah. Lots of Dutch Frankenstein. Lots of heavy shadows and harsh light, and well, even the cricket. Like he, w- one of his comments was, was like a house of horrors or something. Yes, as if it wasn't obvious enough, he had to scream it out that it's a house of horrors. Yes, yes. <laughs> I don't think that the film had a had a clear tonal cohesion. That's one criticism that I would have for it. Each of those moments is filmed incredibly well, and 
the characters are excellently designed. The set is dressed like oh, a movie it's beautiful. set. Yeah. The people who made this film have so much to be proud of. I kind of agree with you there. To me, it's like they had certain things. They had certain checklists to follow, like to build two scenes. And it seemed like some of those, it didn't quite maybe flow as it should have to get to that point. Like they skipped over some little things maybe to save time. But I mean, that that was probably my biggest complaint with something similar to that. But that, that theme of like grief and family, I thought that was, like you're saying, you know, like the relationship with him and his dad, like that was interesting to really... I mean, it makes sense to get that into the mix in a movie about creating a boy, right? Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. that makes total sense. Well, that's like really cool. That's like a really interesting direction to take this. Like from the beginning, it, it kind of had me uh, because of that. So, I think and that's you don't what you first don't see a in. lot of that in animation, especially. So that storyline tied in with the time period. I mean, that was an instant draw for me. As soon as you get that incredible, the incredible facial expressions of that Geppetto puppet are just like, oh yeah. And then you have the starkness of Pinocchio, you know, it's just like locking into different. Mm-hmm. I think they showed in the behind the scenes, they just had all these hundreds of oh, 3D yeah. printed heads that just jump between the mouth movements. and Well, even different sizes of Pinocchio and um, the cricket, like they'd have some that were the where Pinocchio said was gigantic, the size of like right. person. And then, you know, for the different uh, shots, yeah. some scaled up of the cricket that were as big as Pinocchio in most of the normal scenes. So. I mean, he really used perspective in the right ways to help enhance the story, you know, not just relying on all the special effects to do everything. I think the way they handled music was really interesting, too. First kind of like, quote unquote, musical number you get is when Geppetto, right, goes in with the accordion. Uh-huh. And it just it's not like a musical where it's like, let's make a reason to break into song. And it's like a, it really is just like music emerging like from the world. It's like him singing a lullaby to his kid. Like, I thought that was really neat. The cast is also phenomenal. Their, their performances are excellent. I, had I not known previously that Batsatura was played by Kate Blanchett. <laughs> Unreal. <laughs> she, she plays an amazing monkey. <laughs> and that part for her, I think, was one that she just really wanted to be in, in one of his movies. And she's like, yes. I don't care what it is. Just, just give me a role. <laughs> Mm-hmm. He's like, do you really not she care because it's a monkey? Such a fun time with Del Toro and Nightmare Alley. Yeah, that yeah. <laughs> right, Nightmare Alley. I will play any part. <laughs> just, just... What about um Obi Wan as the cricket? What do we think of that? Oh, I, I love it. Me personally, I, and, I and love... sort of a narrator figure. I thought I having him as like a narrator figure. He's always kind of like watching the scene from somewhere in a lot of places. I thought that was kind of neat. Was it Big Fish? He was also the narrator. No, oh, I can't remember. Yes, I believe so. Okay, yeah, so that, yeah. I've ever since watching Big Fish, I I enjoyed him from that like narration standpoint. And so, like so the next the next season of Obi Wan, we just need him being like record scratch. You're probably wondering how I got into this situation. To me, it really adds to the story. You not only he's already set to be done and relax and write his his memoirs at the his beginning memoir. of the story. <laughs> Before the story even starts, it's and so charming. Stritulations of my youth. <laughs> I yes. love it. It's so good. And fine, I'll do this if I can, if this helps me publish my book, you know, or riches and fame or whatever. <laughs> so then you get his character from his point of yeah. view, um, changing over time because he's having to help guide this youth with no real direction and knowledge of anything. 
he um, continually encounters Pinocchio's innocence. He's yes, sort of eventually transformed into doing a selfless act by the end. Yes, it's, it's so good, <laughs> and he's the comic relief the whole movie. And but then he's kind of like the heart of it in some ways. When and the literal heart from Pinocchio too, since he lives sure, inside him and it's his, it's his house, his home. I love that <laughs> he's just hanging out in there working. And Ewan McGregor has such a warm voice. He does. He really does. That's yeah. that's what I'm looking for. There's something Lends about his voice that's well just nice. This kind of character, and and he has he has a great range as an actor. He, what about uh, why am I blanking on his name? The guy that was Geppetto, Doug Bradley. You know, and he sounds so great and gravelly, and then he's you know, like, like the singing. I don't know if that was him singing, but ah, just the full range of it, his anger, his warm moments, like his drunkenness. So it was so good. It fit. I thought it fit that ginormous beard. Did you say Doug Bradley or David Bradley? Did I say. I think I said Doug. It's David, isn't okay. it? Okay, I'm yeah, Doug. David. <laughs> Doug. Well, Doug Bradley played Pinhead. <laughs> oh, okay. Also, legendary actor Doug Bradley. Wow. But you you get yes. like you get uh, Tilda Swinton too as like the um, the Wood Sprite, and I just oh she's always good. Yeah, her mm-hmm. delivery on every any character she does is always amazing to me. Awesome. Um, who else we got? Oh, Christoph Waltz. Waltz, of course. Yeah. Ugh, I Count love him. Volpe. You got John Tutorial so and Tim Blake Nelson. You just you know who is, who is really good too. I mean, I guess he's. I don't know if he's done much before, but the voice of Pinocchio was awesome. Gregory Mann, and I don't recognize him from anything. I don't recognize him. I I'm thought he was sure just it's so one of those great. Kids that like Del Toro just like picked out of nowhere. His tone the whole time is like just right. Yes, like yeah. you say, you wonder how they got it out of him, but it was like perfect the whole time because it is it's like this weird unabashed like naivete and optimism in the face of unbearable evil <laughs> really yes. and i mean extreme evil who else do you have do you have ron perlman in this of course oh, <laughs> perlman of course ron perlman's in it come on stranger things as candlewick which that name alone candlewick that's just that was to me the oddest thing in the whole story that this boy was named candlewick it's Italy. I yeah. understand what Italians do, how they name their children. His movies to me are just magical. Like, even if I don't like them for one reason or another, they're just magical because he's actually getting to do something artistic, which unfortunately, somehow you don't see always see in movies with the billions and billions of dollars that they're spending on these things to turn them out year after year that somehow the art artistry gets lost in all of this i still don't know how turning red received a nomination it, some of that movie it's, is absolute <laughs> that's my point though that it's actually been acknowledged in their awards and community to me is this really encouraging because to topple all the normal Disney nods and everything that's just turned out super quick to be a toy seller or a music seller or whatever else, you know, this and the same for the thing that won the, the best picture, the everything everywhere and all at once. Both of see for me to see both of these pictures getting acknowledgement from their peers on this kind of more national level. Is really encouraging for me. Not that it will change a lot going forward with how <laughs> the audience overall um, maybe likes movies like this, but it's so good to see 
stuff like this get recognition <laughs> it just it makes me happy <laughs> uh, any regular listener will know that generally we have very low opinions of the oscars and award ceremonies oh yeah like this yeah yeah we usually we usually pay no attention yeah so when something like this happens it's it's pretty it's pretty it's cool. kind of cool yeah and there's that yeah all right as far as a retelling of a story goes which generally i find abhorrent and i hate how do you think that this compares to other remakes retellings reboots re whatever del toro is really good at adapting unusual stories this isn't the first time he's done that there's other things that he's pulled from other source material and making it feel new the setting alone of putting it in this time period um, and all the mm -hmm. fascism and everything that instantly gives makes it a different movie which strangely if you knew there was so much of that going into it it would probably make people not want to watch it you know it, it makes sense from a storytelling standpoint um with how these things are connected as far as the town and the setting and everything i think you're right i think that you know a completely different setting allowed for a new story to be told with those same characters where mm -hmm. it wasn't mm -hmm. heavily reliant on anything else that had been done before with pinocchio where he performs for mussolini yeah <laughs> seems like that would have stuck with you <laughs> right <laughs> and when that scene happened i was like yeah they're just going for this they're gonna have a tiny mussolini who's <laughs> gonna speak with a cartoonish accent <laughs> and shoot everybody as far as the character designs go i already talked about this for a little bit but i found them incredibly interesting I mean, much like any of del toro's designs for his characters there's always something wonderful to look at. Oh man, the wood, the wood spirit thing. Oh yeah, the the spirits in this one. The you oh know. my gosh, with like the wings covering the face and all that, and oh, <laughs> the eyeballs on the wings, all and the all little the eyeballs, <laughs> eyeballs on the horns of death. I mean, he's and the design scales so good are like the pinecone scales and beautiful at the same time, and that alone mm -hmm. is a skill to to pull that off. <laughs> Yes, this this grotesque beauty that yeah yeah uh, Del Toro does so very well. That was some very like Pan's Labyrinth feeling kind mm -hmm. of stuff, like the otherworldly. Well, they're all kind of otherworldly, but the especially otherworldly characters. Yeah. Especially those, I guess. <laughs> the the quote unquote supernatural characters. You know, it was <laughs> cool too. Like like the cricket was blue. Like the spirit mm -hmm. and the uh, death were blue i thought that was interesting it's like the the rabbits too uh, yeah the rabbits like uh -huh. the otherworldly creatures have like a consistency Man, I, to I them love those the that you can rabbits. pick up on they were playing like the little poker game or whatever oh my gosh <laughs> that was so great there are moments of levity that help to accentuate the drama and more serious elements of the story which is good storytelling then there are some completely cartoonish things that I, I still don't think work very well. Like Pinocchio trying to swim up the waterfall oh. inside the dogfish's mouth like a salmon. And he's just, you know, yeah. it, it's very, very cartoony. It's something straight from Looney Tunes. And Spazzatura's <laughs> tail that is now functions as a motor and can... Oh, yeah. There's moments like that. And then all the children are bombed to death inside the yes. uh, youth camp. It's like, okay. That's what I thought of when you said uneven. I was like, okay, maybe like the horrors of war didn't fit exactly. <laughs> Some stuff were to me were kind of obvious little stepping stones that contrivances. 
yeah, like I, I really enjoyed this movie a ton, and I, I always end up liking his movies whether I like the story or not. Like you know, just they they look good. They uh, appreciate all the work into it because you know there was a huge team involved to make whatever he does happen. Even if there's some things that kind of hit uneven for you or something like that, like strength of the performances, the artistry from like music to setting to characters oh, to, their I, this, movement, to their design. Recommend this movie all day long. Uh, oh, yeah. It was it's just a delight. Yeah. And my I really kids is. loved it too. Like I'm glad you guys got me to watch it because it was not really on my radar. I do feel it like stuff like this where it's really more depth to it. Like they Yeah, there's real stakes to it. There's, there's real, real danger. There's really real feelings. And they're really asking actual questions related to stuff that's happening and it's it engages and, you because it doesn't pander to you. Yeah, it doesn't pander. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Kids pick up on that, turns out. <laughs> yeah. right. They're smarter than you think. Thank you for joining us in the dimension of our Midnight Cape. We hope you'll visit us again. From myself, Lumberdor, Beaches, and Doug, thank you and good night. That's been something that I feel like has plagued um, Lockheed's studio really initially since they took over from um, all the California Raisins stuff and all that. But um, it's just that they've got great stories, but they're not, they're always just kind of hinting at stuff or missing something. But when that's the thing that just made this to me so much better is that you've got Del Toro, who's just, it doesn't matter what's in his hands. He's, if he's, got the ability to and the clearance i guess from the right people he's going to make it into a good story because that's what he's passionate about you know and then, I, I, um, i'm just trying to think of things that del toro has done that i don't care for yeah um, there's i can't think fish of sex i don't like that <laughs> i saw i mean other that than one. that one scene you know the movie was good <laughs> that one scene <laughs> That one scene other was than, the movie. <laughs> other than the central premise of the whole thing, it was quite good. <laughs> Gotta open your mind to the possibilities and